0: What kind of money? I bought some drugs off of him. Things got mixed up. I didn't mean for this to happen. <laughs> I don't have them anymore. What kind of drugs, Denny? It doesn't matter. I don't have them anymore. It doesn't matter? How in the hell did you get involved with drugs? Huh? Who were you, giving them to him, selling them to him? Where in
1: the hell did you meet that man? What kind of drugs do you take? What kind of drugs do you take? What kind of drugs do you take? <laughs>
0: Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents the Room. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColtsPlootation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, it's been a while since we've done the podcast. We had a uh interruption last week when we were supposed to do this episode on the room. Uh it was a uh, The bad outbreak of flu in this house. (laughs) I had been sick for the past couple days with a sore throat. My wife definitely had the flu, and so we didn't want to subject Martin to any flu-like illness.
2: It doesn't matter, because if you can't tell by my voice being three
0: octaves deeper right now, uh, I have a chest cold. So either way, you're getting sick. Doesn't really matter. I'd rather, much rather, have a chest cold than deal with the flu. Yeah, that's true. I it's, haven't had
2: the flu since flu I was, sucks since I was like seven years old. So I, I, know, I,
0: I know that. Uh, my wife said that her, she, she hasn't had, she's never had this really happen. But it, like her, all her joints hurt. So she woke up and like she just remembered feeling like her elbow was just like hurting like crazy for no reason. Well, she, so, could, she could do my job and her body
2: will hurt. There just you go. <laughs> I was sitting. I was sitting in our friend's jeep today, and my left knee was like spasming out of nowhere. I was in pain. Like I went to flex it, I was like, "Ah, my my ACL, <laughs> god, dude. like it's terrible, absolutely terrible." You're getting old, yeah, I know. Like to quote the now, um, uh, you know, a- exiled and uh, comedian Louis C.K.
0: Yeah, just got a shitty knee now. That's right, shitty knee. Um. Yeah, and and then actually, you know, so we were supposed to do this episode last week. Uh, we definitely didn't get to it. So we actually went on like sort of a three – well, it's a it's two-week hiatus technically. And then before that when we did our thing episode, we actually weren't sure if that was going to get out on time either because we had a huge snowstorm before – or like right on that day that it occurred. And it actually looked like it was really shitty. But mm, it, it turned out fine. It turned out Okay. Um and so this week we preempted that because we for you know we we know that the forecast is showing and by we you mean me yeah you you didn't know I right? didn't know it at first no but the forecast is showing like eight to twelve inches tomorrow.
2: It's, well, you know what sucks too. It's supposed to be fine Thursday, then like snow Friday, Saturday. And yeah, then, we're, and gonna then, get, we're getting we're and then pounded. Sunday sleet and freezing rain. And you
0: know that always happens this around this time. We always get a huge snowstorm during the uh, like Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, stuff like that. You know, it's funny though. Every time we go to beer fest, it's always nice. Yeah, out. it's always like fun. a week,
2: week or two later, it's forty, and yeah. you know the, s- the snow's melting. But um, yeah, no, this is the year I wish I bought snow tires, and I didn't, because <laughs> uh, the the winter this year up here in good old upstate New York has been pretty brutal. Yeah. Not much so much in snowfall accumulation, but just in freezing rain, sleet accumulation, and not being kind. Especially yeah. if you have just a front wheel drive Hyundai.
0: So I'll take this time right now to say anybody expecting the room last week, we're really sorry. I actually posted that we're going to be ha- be having that yeah. episode, and Amen. we never ended up getting to do it because I found out Sarah had the flu. So sorry if you were expecting that last week, and um, we definitely are doing it tonight for this episode. Um, and also, we just wanted to say. Um, Thank you to all of those people who have donated to us so far. Uh, we did get a donation on our Patreon account um, for a coffee mug. So that was really nice to see. Um, not just because it was a donation, obviously, but because I like to give out the coffee mugs because that's a sign of like sponsorship too. Like you're sitting at work, you're drinking out of Blood and Black Rum podcast coffee mug. People are like, hey, what's that cool coffee mug? And you're like, it's the damn cool podcast I listen to. You should check it out. Or oh, not called the damn cool podcast. That's right. You know, thinking about it, that should be our name—the damn cool podcast. It's a
2: much catchier name. Well,
0: you know what though? I, I'm I'm expecting like the problem with us is that we don't really appeal to the common denominator, like at work. So if somebody walks by <laughs> and say, "Hey, what's Blood and Black Rum podcast?" You're like, well, it's this really cool podcast show. You should check it out. They talk about movies. Then your coworker goes to check it out, and they're like, "That co- that guy's fucking weird. This isn't a good show. I don't I don't know any of these movies. These movies suck." They're talking about the room for Christ's sakes. Well, to
2: be fair, well, I I think you underestimate the how uh, how many people follow niche things now. Yeah, but I my still... job, like my job, like you would be amazed. Like it's nothing but like metalheads and wrestling fans.
0: I gotta say, I still don't see most of my office workers. Recognizing
2: well, maybe it's because I, work in, I work in a warehouse and we're just the salt of the earth people who you know who <laughs> who love them some mastodon and who love them some wwe and new Japan, maybe because then they would probably be like, I like the soft
0: films too, they're pretty cool. Or I guess they just don't see it. I, I, I don't see it at but, this
2: point though. How many people don't know about the room? The main that's reason true because the main reason why we were going to do this review. It's because we wanted to do the Disaster Artist. And unfortunately, uh, we will not be able to do that episode. Because our local theater, and by local I mean a fucking 45-minute drive, Regal Theater, isn't even showing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that's a, in the legal sense, we're not going to be able to do it right now. Um, in the future, probably, yes. We'll, we'll probably get well, to if the when Disaster it comes artists, on Blu-ray. Yeah, as it comes out.
2: But I, but still, like if that again, that theater has like 30 fucking thing they're doing like a kirk
0: cameron's new
2: like film coming out soon yeah some christian garbage
0: well it's annoying yeah
2: it it definitely
0: is annoying that you can't even though you want to see it you you can't legally go out and see it anymore because nowhere around us is playing it and and really like you said 45 minutes away is what was playing it but if we wanted to see it locally like you know in the natural five to ten minute range Nowhere. Well,
2: no, because... Not going to happen. Emerald only has, like, ten. Yeah. And then Movieplex only has nine.
0: Which is frustrating, because you want... I mean, we wanted to go out and see it and and do The Room slash The Disaster Artist and kind of do them back-to-back, because it makes sense. And not only that, because... And as Ryan and I were talking before we started this episode, not to
2: say this episode's going to be a bad episode, because I don't think it will be. It's not going to be bad. But to, to The Room, as I was saying earlier... It's a film that a lot of people know. I think at this point it's surpassed Troll Two as being known as the worst best worst movie of all time. yeah, so in discussing this film, we're not really though we're giving our two cents and our opinion, and you know you might you know find something out of uh, views out of that, we're not really going to be pushing the envelope. Uh, and it's just like a, tr- you know, a truth of that. We're like I mean, even- we're, we're not going to be breaking new ground. Sorry, this is, you know, what have you done with Solange? Do you, like a lot of people like, I wonder, you, not a lot of people talk about that film. Yeah. I wonder what they think of this wonderful Jallo. Right.
0: Well, there's some some value in, uh you know, just going over no, tro- well-trodden because- territory. No, but- I
2: know, because like, even like, you know, if we ever did like, an e- I know we won't, but if we ever did like an episode in The Godfather, what
0: more possibly could people say about The Godfather? True. But I could gush about it it's my favorite film of all time I think the bigger thing with the room is not that not just that we're gonna go over you know territory that people have already covered previously but that when you get into the um films like these you know sometimes we're not always funny on blood and like run podcast like the whole the point of the uh podcast is not really to just constantly berate and mock like a, a a movie and like bring up its most its funniest flawed aspects we do often get into serious discussions about films um, it's probably one of our flaws. We have to, probably too many films on record now that we've probably praised. We just
2: Cause, <laughs> because people because people love negativity. People are more apt to see it. if they think something's shit. They want to know like like if their opinions valid. Nobody really want if they like something. They don't really want to hear somebody like yeah, I like that too. Really, you know, yeah, it's not yeah, you know.
0: But but I mean, the bigger issue with the room is that there's not a whole lot to say. That's like of value in a movie discussion sort of way. You know, there's not, we're not going to go into it in detail. Like, well, I'm analyzing the shot of uh, Tommy Wiseau when he breaks the mirror, when he throws that's the sure you can
2: to... spend $55,000 going to Columbia that's, to, that's and, true. and have, uh, take a film class. That break will, it
0: down on will, exactly where it went wrong.
2: They'll break that and Citizen Kane down for you. You know, just, you know, just in case to like show you do like the pinnacle of cinema. And then
0: the you know, bottom. The, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. that's not gonna be this episode, unfortunately. We're gonna we're gonna go over some of the funny things that we found that we you know, the room does. Um, perhaps get into some of the things that we actually do like about the film. I, I don't know that there are a whole lot that are you can take as a like a serious positive like, positive note from the film. Uh more so just laughing at it rather than with it, but um, and then we're probably I, just going to rate it on a scale of something like Troll Two, <laughs> where we really talk about you know so, Enjoy how it's it. so bad it's good, and and where does it fall on that spectrum? Because I'll I'll be honest with you, in, in Troll Two too, it is really hard to talk about a film on a so bad it's good level, um, in some of the same ways that it's hard to talk about a film that's so bad it's just bad, because in the, in that sense you can't really ever. There's no real discussion about it. You're kind of just ragging on it until you run out of things to say. Um, like so Mako. It, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it does get difficult. Um, we're going to do the best we can with it and have and, and also have fun with it at the same time yeah. because The Room is definitely a fun film. Uh, I had not seen it before. Oh, I have so saw it in college. So, I mean, that this was a new experience for me. I had, had a
2: wonderful friend uh, named Matt Durace who introduced us to this film. Well, I knew I knew of the film actually before because I've seen reviews before from Nostalgia Critic and others. Um, Which, the Nostalgia Critic does do a terrific review of the room. And actually, for a while, his review of it got taken down because Tommy, Tommy Wiseau uh, tried suing him or something of the like, like, saying it was, like, slanderous. Um, OSW Review, which is, off, is a wrestling podcast, but they also do, sometimes they do movie reviews, and the room, their review, uh, review of The Room is fantastic. Hmm. Absolutely great. But so I, I know of it, but then, like, when I watched it in college, we did a huge drinking game, and I wish I remembered all the rules for it, because,
0: like drinking with the cranks, you will be shit-faced pretty quick in this movie. Well, I can just imagine some of them, like saying Denny, Lisa. I mean, you could come up with your own. Yeah, shots I, I, I of believe. San I believe it's anytime True.
2: somebody, anytime anyone enters the room. Yeah. Anytime you see a B roll shot of San Francisco. Anytime Tommy Wiseau says, "Oh hi, somebody." Mm-hmm. I, I I think those are like those off the top of my head. Those are a couple of rules. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Denny. <laughs> but you know it's. Uh. But, you know, it's it's great. This is definitely a film, I would say, if you were to watch it, watch it with a group of people. Because I think if you just sit there and watch it by yourself, you're really
0: going to undervalue. I can't imagine just (laughs) sitting there by yourself watching the room. I guess that would be like a... a uh, literally a person who doesn't know anything about it is <laughs> like well this movie looks kind of interesting yeah, Just I, reading a synopsis of it. I,
2: like I, I literally think the value of watching this film is in, within a group no i definitely i agree because like, I-, I would love to see this in a theater like it make it that much more hilarious and that's why like even though it's just the, me you and sarah for a little while i mean it was as like funny as when i watched it with like 10 fucking people sitting in... Yeah, I
0: agree. I mean, it's always going to be heightened by uh, an audience presence, especially one that's, like, get in there with you, like, in the joke with you. Um, And that's... I think they even have that special within Troll 2, which you didn't watch, but I watched. It's a documentary on on the best, worst movie. Yeah, I have seen that. You have seen it. Yeah, and they talk about how people go as groups to screenings of that movie because it's fucking hilarious together.
2: And they still do that with The Room, too, and that's how The Room
0: room has gained its notoriety. And that's really the way that you need to watch it because otherwise, yeah, like, even with you and me, it was pretty funny. But you can just imagine, like, other people finding different parts of it funny, you know, for different reasons, just, you know, whatever, guffawing (laughs) at different parts. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just... That would be even funnier. Nice turtles. I know my my dad's laugh always makes me laugh, just for whatever <laughs> <'Cause> reason. Because <yes. laughs> he because he doesn't really have a he doesn't have a slight laugh. It's just like a yeah. fallout bawling, like exa- exa- exactly. You know? Yeah, and <laughs> me, so I, I can imagine that. Right. I can imagine that with the room. Just he would you know. not. I don't think he would laugh at this. No, I, no. I'm not saying he would, but like that <laughs> sense of another person laughing making me laugh mm. would definitely would definitely do that for well, me. Well, it's
2: a better film than the Last Jedi.
0: yeah that is true alright let's take a break Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about some beer before we go into the film itself so stay with us alright welcome back we're talking about beer now Um, you brought a new beer for us to try I did part of the Jenny brew house pack yep Um, we've done a a lot of those on this show actually we're big supporters basically (laughs) basically sponsored by Jenny beer except they don't sponsor us they just they just provide us. We the we're beer. just really big fans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> at so, least I at least I am. <laughs> so this is Jenny's uh newest brewhouse beer, right? Yes. I'm guessing it's for the spring season. Seems um, like it.
2: Seeing as they they got the Bach out. Yeah. Or as one of my coworkers called it,
0: castor oil. And this is pretty recent, right? I mean, I haven't seen this out like at all. So They've been promoting it for like a month. A little since, like the on day, their Facebook page. Yeah, right? since like the beginning of January. But I. But sometimes when they put it on their Facebook page, it doesn't mean that it's actually coming out. It just means, or it's, it doesn't mean that it's out. It just means that they're kind of like it, getting. I ready think for it's the been ad.
2: out since then, at least in Rochester. Hmm. Um, but as we know, seeing as we live three and a half hours, about three, well, three yeah. hours away from Rochester, it does take sometimes a while for some of this stuff to migrate. Right? We don't, we don't. Because the box been out since the beginning of January, almost too, Which, by the way, I think is a sin. I hate I hate the fact spring beers are, have been out since the beginning of January.
0: They've been out pretty early. S-
2: especially seeing as, you know, uh, yeah. this winter's been pretty brutal. But, anywho, that's besides the point. Um, this, you know, they've promoted it for a while. Um, and following up their amazing dark chocolate Scotch Ale, which they did for the winter, they now have another smash beer. Yep. Which we reviewed on here before, the first single malt uh, and single hop beer, which I can't remember for the life of me right now what the hop was in it. I think it was the Cascade.
0: I think it was Cascade as well. Um, yeah.
2: This time,
0: it's their Simcoe smash, mm-hmm. which is the Simcoe uh, hop. Simcoe, I guess, is it gives the beer a kind of a, the piney tones that you expect from an IPA uh, or from a from the hop nature of a beer like uh, when you think of hops you really think pine and I think Simcoe is really probably one of the pioneer hops that they have out
2: I would say more uh, piney
0: than fruity yeah yeah like definitely. the
2: Grüngeist was piney but was, which wasn't a, a smash beer but it was their, last summer they released the Grüngeist pale ale which was the hybrid Grongeist Hop, which was a great blend. It was pretty piney, but also very citrusy, too. It gave it a very... Especially, like, tangerine, orange, clementine, like that kind of citrusy flavor to it, which is really refreshing. Um, I would say with the Simcoe, and it could just be because my taste buds are all jacked up because it's cold, but... I I would say this one's definitely more piney than it is fruity. Yeah. I would say the fruit tones are pretty mild. You do get that citrus flavor in there, but it's not very o- overwhelming. It's very much more j- like just straight up a piney taste. Um yeah, which I don't think is bad. I like it because again, when it comes to pale ales and IPAs, it's very much a balancing act on how, you know, brewers balance those flavors to get, you know, the best flavor profile. And I think with the whole purpose of smashed beers being you get to taste a single malt and a single hop to get the, you know, the full extent of what those flavors are supposed to be. With this, you get
0: to, you know, experience what a Simcoe hop on its own is like. Yeah, I like the smash idea because too often you get a beer that is literally smashed full of hop. So you just have, like, all kinds of hops in there, and you don't really know... Like, what the... What you're tasting. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? which one is giving you which profile. So, with the smash beers, they do give you a sense of, like, this hop is more piney. This one is more of a fruity sort of style. And so, you can kind of go through and figure out what's doing that uh, different taste profile within the beers itself, as when I they're told, combined.
2: I say, as I told you earlier, I saw at the store say seven hop beer, and my friend was like, What's the point? And as you aptly said, like you're right. It's like when you get like a seven mac, like cheese mac and cheese at that point, it's like, what's the point? Right. And I'm going to taste like the cheddar, the gouda, and like the brie. Yeah. That's about it. Anything else you a- shove af- in there is going be – After a
0: while, you just kind of lose whatever else you might be tasting. You, it just doesn't come out. So I think that that is has been often the case with IPAs where you just kind of smash a bunch of uh, – Hops together in an IPA, and then it kind of makes a a amalgam of all of those things. Whereas with the smash beers, you you do get the single malt and single hop. You can really kind of narrow it down. Now with the Simcoe, I think that Simcoe itself is kind of a generic hop. It's really what you think of in terms of when you think of paleos or IPAs that piney profile, and I think that's what the Simcoe is really delivering. So. For me, this Jenny Brewhouse beer for the Simcoe Smash is <clears throat> um, a good beer. I think it has a good flavor profile. I wouldn't say that it's it it goes out of its way to be very um, n- like noticeable or different. Um, it kind of, to me, just tastes like a very, very generic pale ale flavor. I will say the maltiness of the, of the pale malt in it does bring
2: out a bready sweetness at the end of the beer. Mm-hmm. So you get the Piney, the piney taste definitely is forward. Get that the most, and at the back end of when you're drinking it, you get a bright sweetness that's kind of kind of refreshing, especially with like a pale ale, because um, a lot of pales pale ales, especially today, are borderline IPA with how hot forward they are and how hoppy they are. Um, I would say I, I I do like this quite a bit. Um, though I would agree it is kind of more of, like, a generic pale ale, but that's not a bad thing, because I like pale ales more than I like IPAs. I th- like the fact that you get that hoppiness. It, whatever hops they use in the pale ale, or, you know, you'll either get a piney or, or, you know, more fruity taste to it, and then, the you know, the bready maltiness to balance it out. And it's not very, it's not overbearing. Yeah. Um, where an IPA kind of the malt's just there cuz it's part of the recipe and like how many hops can we cram into it and then when they do a session IPA it's kind of like what's the point you just make a fucking pale ale right um so i i do like this beer and i appreciate it cuz again i i i think pale ales are kind of a style that probably 20 years ago was everyone's go to like hey look at the pale ale it's not it's not your you know fizzy piss water that the guys from stone would call you know like bud light they had their pale ale now it's like all oh, we got a triple hop IPA
0: yeah, and I'm appreciating that they are going for the single hop approach. Um, and, and plus, we're not very, we're not, um, we're laymen
2: too, so we're not beer experts. So if we're not sitting here swirling around when we drink our IPAs and discuss them on the podcast, like, oh, in this pot, this IPA, I can taste the co-
0: West Coast hops in this one with a
2: hint of, you know, the Cascade hop too. You know,
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I have a hard time discerning them for sure, but this this does help. And this helps to kind of cement what the flavor profile is of each of those hops. And it's nice. And I, I like that a lot. I think that a lot of brewers are tending to go this route more, that, more than like um, just throwing a whole bunch of um, hops into an IPA. Um, so in the, like Founders too has been putting out a couple of what, I guess, I don't know if they're specifically single hop, but they're very lo- like low hop. So you have... Some of them that are mosaic hop f- forward, uh, some that are like like the azaka hop, which is very, a very different one. You, d- you don't see it that often, um, which to me does have a very distinct flavor profile uh, with their azaka IPA. I was say the centennial IPA is one that really sticks. Yeah, you know. yep, their centennial with a heavy ha- heavy hop forward um, approach to that. So I think that they're going definitely going in that direction. I like that direction of going to trying a single hop approach trying to narrow down ingredients rather than just throwing a whole bunch of ingredients into one concoction and then you know bottling it so i like it i like that idea and i'm pleased to see it going forward because this is kind of like um the new trend rather than adding a color to the ipa (laughs) uh instead you're now we're going towards more of like a single hop approach God, to weren't those, IPA's. Weren't
2: those the days when like the first one's like a white IPA? Add the it, color. And it's like wh- a white IPA, what an amazing, beautiful thing, combining a Belgian wheat and an IPA. This is beautiful, magnificent. Now, they've gone off the rails.
0: But I, I, I appreciate where they're trying to go with this and kind of get away from the craze of just like double and triple and you know. I can't wait to only go to Beer Fest to kind of see what the new trend is. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see if there is one. I'm sure there is. There is, like, every year. I don't really have a guess as to what a new trend would be. I haven't really seen anything thus far in stores to really give me an idea of what that s- I would say
2: smoked is. beers.
0: Maybe. I've seen quite,
2: like, Gang has a smoked porter now. Hmm. Interesting. Which, they're not known as a Belgian brewer style. Yeah, our local stump city as we went to. Um
0: yeah, they they had a German it was um Roggenbeer. Roggen beer, so it was uh a rye. like a ryeish, but it did have a smoked profile to it. Very, very, very slight, but it did have some sort of smoke to it. And I think that's the German way of you know, all
2: those uh, the, I would say that Browns rock beer we did like a couple yeah
0: maybe like a month ago. Yeah, maybe. Maybe smoked is the new way to go. I don't know. Uh, oh. Anything else you want to bring up for beer before we move right into the room? That's about it. All right, all right. We've got more to come because we definitely have the uh, the beer fest coming up soon. We should just talk about beer the entire time. That's right, and, the, and <laughs> do a live show at the beer fest. We'll get we'll set up our own table. <laughs> Blood and Black Rum podcast live at beer fest. That'd be fun, but. People should just bring us beer rather than having to navigate through the crowds. Well, that's what your wife's for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. oh. All right, so we're talking about The Room, and for The Room, I really want to start out with the quote that's on the cover of the new DVD that Martin just recently bought so that we could watch this. It's worth owning. And and we did not go with the fucking $40 Blu-ray. Wasn't it like $40 yes, for it the was. Blu-ray? Yeah. Uh the I apparently Criterion collection of Tommy Wiseau films. Um <laughs> for his Blu-ray, we did not go with that and it was a good choice too because I feel like DVD is really the way to go when watching this film. <laughs> but anyway, if there was a VHS copy of this, I would <laughs> buy it. <laughs> perfect. That would be perfect. But reading from the cover of The Room, and I quote, Experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot. End quote. Now, I'd really love to give an attribution to that quote to say, you know, this is the person who said that. And then call them out on it, like on Twitter, because it's like, what were you thinking when you... Gene Siskel, you know. Unfortunately, the cover doesn't attribute the quote to anybody. No publication, no person. So, we just pretty much have to assume that Tommy Wiseau said this quote, uh... And, you know, go for Well, there. open it up and look at it.
2: What what comes with this DVD?
0: Which, by the way, I don't... Oh just, my goodness! I was going say, nobody's actually... I've never heard anyone talk about the, the contents of the DVD itself. I know. I, we're doing, like, an unboxing on the podcast right now. But the first thing that really jumps out to you in startling, eye-popping black and white is a headshot of Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> it's a very vacantly staring at you. Very unflattering picture too. <laughs> One of those portraits of people that seem to follow you around the room uh, is what I would call <laughs> call this if you were to hang it on your wall. With tommywiseo.com
2: on on the bottom. But if you look at the back, what's the back have for us?
0: Oh the back the back has an order <laughs> for and I'll start it off with ninety-five percent cotton, five percent elastic Tommy Wiseau underwear. <laughs> I have never heard this before. I, I no one's ever mentioned I, it. And yeah. I have heard,
2: like, a shit ton of reviews for The
0: Room. I'm assuming just because there's a potential to poop yourself after watching The Room. <laughs> and so Tommy Wiseau is just cornering that market <laughs> with Tommy Wiseau He's just underwear. selling used Hanes
2: and Fruit of the Loom underwear. You know,
0: what's surprising to me, too, is that this doesn't seem like just, like, some random, very small enterprise there are five different types of underwear you can order from Tommy Wiseau underwear. What do we have on there? You can order the TW trunk, uh, the TW brief, the TW boxer, the brief open, or the boxer open. Um, really, the I guess the only difference between the two different types of brief and boxers is that it looks like there's a different style of stitching for the... For the crotch area, uh, other than that, I can't really tell the difference. But maybe, maybe literally, when they say open, it means that whole area for your junk is just open. I mean, I love it. It's 2018. Who wears boxers these days? Yeah, and this that's, that's... and this film has a copyright of 2018 on it, the DVD. So that's got to be pretty recent. I would I would assume. Are you going to order a pair? I might just if they're not if they're reasonably pl- priced. I bet you they're not
2: reasonably
0: priced. To I, be I honest know, with you. you, know, you're right. I bet you, you know they're what? Not. It
2: might it might very well just be worth it for shits and giggles. How does Tommy Wiseau underwear feel? Like rip off Calvin Klein's? Yeah, because which if, what are Calvin Klein's except fifty dollar overpriced?
0: You know, it it definitely has the Tommy Wiseau logo on the on the. Uh, I love Waste it too. area. Trunk. Waste band area.
2: the t- the Tommy Wiseau trunk. You mean
0: boxer briefs? Come on, basically. Who calls them trunks? I've I've I'll say that I've moved up to wearing briefs now, so I'd pick up a pair of yeah, these. They're still technically boxer open briefs. brief. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
2: still technically boxer briefs, but not a. Uh...
0: Hopefully, it lists the sizes for each of them too. So you know, ex- you know, if you're ordering, you get exactly what you're looking for. You measure your waist and figure out man, exactly wh- what size what a, you need. What a
2: weird! Like after watching this film, I I'm not I did not see myself going, man. After all this, you know what I need? Underwear. Though it's, it does fit, because there was a character who lost his underwear in this film.
0: It's possible that so Tommy maybe Wiseau. he's like
2: so maybe Tommy Wiseau, aka Johnny, in this film, not only
0: is a bank a successful banker. He's also an underwear salesman. It's possible that Tommy Wiseau is a high-level troll. Troll. And that he's really... Like, this has been a whole... This would be one of the greatest trolls. I would love to find out. Like, he's just a
2: normal... Like, I am not an Eastern European man. I don't really have an accent or anything like that. I've just been fucking with people for the past 20 years. Well, let's
0: start out with the film itself. Because even when the film starts, like, you're almost thinking, like, there is no possible way that Tommy Wiseau actually acts like this. Because... He has just such a vacant, non-existent, like, presence. Like he's on Zoloft? Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to believe that. Or is it Prozac? Which one makes you kind of like, Well, people have a tendency when they're, like, not great actors to to overact. Like, you don't generally underact it. Like, you don't generally deliver your lines in a very boring and stoic way, like, Hey, Martin, how's, how's it going? It's more so of like, uh, <laughs> he watched over-acting. the, he
2: watched the SNL skit about with Alf uh, Baldwin and the, uh, NPR
0: employees and the muffins. And right. Exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It yeah like yeah. you don't tend to do that. I, I would, I would feel like he, I was a very, very amateur actor one time in, in a, a school performance for OM. I don't know if you were anybody out there knows what om was but it was Odyssey of the mind was that a nationwide thing or just I a- don't know if it was a nationwide thing but it definitely it was a it was a local thing that we did where you had to put on a performance and answer spontaneous questions and things like that it showed that you were smart basically you joined mensa if you wanted to <laughs> <laughs> um, but and so my my uh, experience with that is you tend to overact you tend to really enunciate all the the things that you're saying, and um, because when you're not a good actor, it's basically like you're reading, but you're reading and trying to really present it. So you tend to overact. But Tommy Wiseau—that's called that's called Shakespearean. Ex- yeah. <laughs> but Tommy <laughs> it's, Wiseau—it's the, it's the Bill—it's Sh- the Bill Shatner
2: School of Acting. Oh, he's overacting. No, it's Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, our thes- our great thespian. Think about it. Tommy Wiseau is a th- great thespian actor right up there with William Sh— uh, not William Shakespeare, with William Shatner. True,
0: I love the, Shatner. I mean, so. the the thing about Tommy Wiseau though is that in the room he really tends to underact. I mean, like literally everything until the end. Yeah, until- I mean, almost everything that he does in this film seems like his character Johnny does not give a, a crap about anything. He li-
2: he looks like he's as Sarah said. Had a stroke, and I will add on to that, also on horse tranquilizers. He's yeah. literally, I expect Mike Berbiglia to come out and he's like, he's ripping off,
0: sleepwalking with me. Like, he's just literally sleepwalking throughout the entire film. He's- I think he's almost disconcerting, too. Because he doesn't act like a normal human. He acts like a robot. Like, somebody stuck a robot in this scenario and just said, like, uh programmed it to say these lines and, and all
2: his friends though think he's the greatest person in the world except his fiance lisa they're all literally and that uh, <laughs> i mean i guess we're getting a little off track so that's a whole nother topic but i mean no you're right like he's throughout the entire film he's just
0: just like oh hi yeah oh hi danny Well, hi, Mark. I think the biggest thing is that... So how's your sex life? (laughs) Yeah. The (laughs) biggest thing is that it's not just... I mean, it's not just Tommy Wiseau delivering these lines, but it's also his script, which often just jumps over, like, things. See, well, I think part of that... And I'll give a
2: little leeway to, like, the actual writing of the script, because he was the writer of the script. If I'm to believe, which I think he is, because his personal life's kind of a mystery... Like his background, his age, and where he's from. If he truly is like somebody of like Eastern European or European descent, who was like came to America, it makes sense why his dialogue and throughout this entire film is so on the nose. It's it's like if like because you would know when you watch like an anime and you watch it like subtitled and how some of the things kind of like as an American viewer and you're not used to anime, like how the translation of things like. That's kind of really weird. Like, how they constantly refer to things, like, as, like, oh, that's so nostalgic. Yeah. That, like, that's something we would never say. That's, like, that's not something, like, nobody really ever goes, ah, oh, how nostalgic. I mean, sometimes you'll be like, oh, that's nostalgic. But you're never like, oh, this reminds me of childhood memories. How nostalgic. You're like, oh, yeah. this reminds me of, like, a past, you know, and then you'll go into that. So I I think more that his script writing, though it is flawed, and I don't think it's well done at all, I, I can forgive it more if the circumstances of his life are to, be, you know, be insinuated, which I think they are. And like I said, unless, and you said, unless he's the greatest troll in the world, he's been trolling us the entire time. If he's somebody of, like a, like, an Eastern European background or something, then it makes sense, because how, you know, especially somebody who doesn't have, as you can tell throughout this film the greatest grasp of the English language, how some of the things that might have sounded okay in whatever his native language was, doesn't translate
0: nearly as well in the English. It sounds awkward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's part of it. I think that the translation does get lost at some time and um, it's I think that's partially the delivery of it, too, is that just the delivery of him delivering a uh, secondary language like English for him is just not natural. So, Well, even when you see, like, the cast around him when they say certain things, it's really... Yeah, definitely. There are definitely things that just come off weird. However, I don't think that excuses some of the weird, like, dialogue things that happen. Like when you mentioned he brings up, so how's your sex life? That's like a very... It's It's really... On the nose because they're having coffee. Well, for Tommy Wiseau, it's hot chocolate and mint tea <laughs> and mint tea at a at a coffee shop and kind where of people just are disc- getting cheesecake and water. <laughs> what I when I
2: eat cheesecake, I can tell you right now, I do not want a fucking water with. it. Well, you know what? Water- I don't
0: like I don't like milk. I would drink milk with a cheesecake. Everything <laughs> everything needs to be washed down. Okay, so water would help. I guess would help wash down cheesecake. I guess it's it's a liquid. I would rather go without. I'd rather like you know. I'll just eat the goddamn. Che- what maybe maybe the cheesecake's too thick and they're just adding water to the cheesecake. Well, then you're doing it on right. the cheesecake. Well, Then you're doing it wrong. Dumping it on it. No, but anyway, your, your cheesecake but, should be nice and moist. And they're having this conversation in this coffee shop. It's pretty busy. Um and What'd you get by the way, for no reason to you get to see two orders placed before, yeah. before. it's almost like
2: they just went to a random coffee shop. And, and Tommy Wise had to wait in line. Yeah, had to yeah. wait in line to get you know, get the scene shot. And so there's two people just like, I'll have a cheesecake and water bottle of water, okay. And I'll just have a cheesecake, okay. Oh, we'll be right with you. Which, by the way, what place do you go that has a register out front where
0: you would order something?
2: Oh, have a seat. We'll be right with
0: you. And two people waiting on you.
2: And then you don't, and you, and you don't pay right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, know, you get your shit, and oh, and then here's your bill. Ah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Maybe no, it's that newfangled San Francisco. Must be they were so busy they had to bring it to you, but. But they're having this conversation in this really busy restaurant, and they're not talking about anything like sex or anything like that. They're just having a, like a normal conversation. And then all of a sudden, Tommy Wiseau brings up how's your sex life? It's a very random question. Obviously, we're supposed to recognize that in some way he's trying to press his friend Mark for details about <laughs> his fiancé's infidelity. But still, at the same time, as as me and you talking, if we were just talking randomly about something like, you know, it's been really bad weather lately, it's been... How was your sex life? You would be a little taken aback, like... Uh, what conversation are we having again? It's just partly no. <laughs> I mean, uh, but at, well, at the same time,
2: though, like I said, I think that comes also from like his background. Like I said, like I almost think like if he it was whatever language it was, it wouldn't come off that
0: way. I guess I just I can't just see just it.
2: just just because like it is such an awkward transition. Like oh yeah, you know oh yeah, I can help you with your you know your. Loan to get a house in Sausalito? Oh yeah, how's your sex life? You know, it's. I guess I don't know. I, don't I think know. I, I think it's a mixture of both. I think yeah. it's a mixture of awkward translation and just apparently not knowing American cultural norms and platitudes. I guess and how to kind of ha-
0: handle the situation. Well, I think one of the bigger issues too with this film. Um, not issues, I guess, but but just the the obvious thing of like filmmaking one hundred and one that doesn't really happen is that the script itself is really poorly written to facilitate the plot. It's all exposition. Ex- well, it's all exposition, but it's also a number of scenes that really have no bearing on what is happening or what what's supposed to be happening in the story. So the story- there's a lot of thing in this. 100 minute film There's a
2: lot of things that happen That will never be brought up again Yeah, And are just kind of
0: there Exactly, like because for the longest time almost like, I Probably like 40-45 minutes I really had no idea what exactly This film was about See, Because I hadn't seen this film before
2: Well, if you read the synopsis in the book of the DVD You'd know it's a black, d- a black comedy about relationships
0: right? I did not read the synopsis I left it all up to Actually watching the film And so 45 okay. minutes in, I'm still kind of questioning Like so where's this going exactly? Because three sex scenes and three yeah three <laughs> sex scenes in twenty minutes doesn't really get you much plot I guess. Because um, the film starts out and obviously Tommy Wiseau knows what we want to see. We want to see the titties. We want to see the boobies uh, right We're, away. From... We get not one, not two, but three different scenes that are all formulated pretty similarly <laughs> I was saying, as L- sex scenes. Lisa's played by uh, Juliet. Uh, is it- Dan- yeah, Juliette Danielle, two first names that you can't trust her
2: for sure. Ooh, those eyebrows too, <laughs> but you know, that- it'd be, and this is gonna sound weird and sexist. Her titties are um, they're spies.
0: They're they are spies. They
2: they look bigger than they actually are. I mean, um, no, I mean, they are bigger than they actually are. Everything she wears kind of hides them,
0: and then when they come out, like, oh surprise! True, true. But that's the thing though. Like you get the- that and her eyebrows are distracting. <laughs> You get the first 20 minutes of the film, which is basically three sex scenes just back to back to back. I hope she got paid
2: good money for that. I
0: would, I would hope so because – well, for one thing, it's pretty clear that Tommy Wiseau uh, with a sex scene was only going to get one chance at it because the second sex scene that they do is clearly just scenes from this the same first one, first one that we see because she's wearing the same terrible eyeshadow. Um, and the whole thing, some of the, even some of the scenes themselves are like a straight taken from that first moment. So it's clear that they only filmed one of those. And then Tommy Wiseau was like, well, we need another one. So <laughs> they reused some of that footage. Um, but like you get three of those scenes back to back to back. And at that point you're kind of like, well, what's going on? And I'll be honest with you, the, Titular room, get it? You re- it really didn't make much sense to me at first. It was like the room, okay? It does because that's where
2: uh, almost ninety percent of the film yeah, takes that's place. The, that's where
0: the film takes place. But it, I know that Tommy Wiseau in interviews has has stated like how important the the metaphor of the room is, but it really feels like it. It really. I'll say it really feels like the room is there because that's a cheap way to film this film. But then we find out that the film's not even a very cheaply made film. It's fucking $6 million to make this film. <laughs> and it's filmed in one room. I mean, that's that in itself is outrageous because <laughs> I, I think mostly it's because Tommy Wiseau didn't realize the two different types of cameras he used <laughs> to film the movie. But still... I, I, Six million dollars on a movie that takes that almost always takes place in the same room is way over. You know, it's hilarious
2: when you think about it. Clerks is what, man, like a
0: $10,000 budget? Yeah. And it's like that film looks so much better. The only thing I can think of is that the six million dollars went to like replacing the items that Tommy Wiseau had to trash in the last (laughs) scene. But I that it's kind of mind boggling. That this film takes place in one room and it costs so much to make, I would say that the that's why I, that's why I wanted the disaster, disaster artist to I want, see exactly yeah. you know where that money went to. It. I mean, the one th- I guess maybe the st- the footage, the B roll footage, maybe
2: because no, it's it's B roll footage so. still,
0: but still the cost of I guess driving around and shooting all that B roll footage. I don't know, maybe. It's hard to say. I just can't imagine. I can't fathom where $6 they did not get a helicopter
2: to. to do like the fucking shots of like the Golden Gate Bridge.
0: I they did not. I can almost guarantee. Well, they actually in San Francisco. I think that helicopter rides are pretty common, so they could have. I mean, it probably would have been like thirty dollar day rental to shoot some some b roll from it. So if that's possible, but. I I don't know. I just can't fathom where six million dollars went. Where ninety percent of the film does take place in this one room. Maybe throwing the party for Tommy and the, for Johnny in the in the film, you know, they actually do do a, a party scene, and part of it takes place outside. So, well, no, it's on top of the roof. Yeah, that we see throughout the film. Too. Yeah, maybe it's a CGI green screen. That, that's just... he got ripped off big time by a production company who's like, "Yeah, we'll do the." What is it This makes me think of the one horror.
2: trailer for the uh, disaster artist.
0: Line! What is line? Right. Exactly. I did
2: not hit her! I did not hit her. <laughs> I did not! <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Well, I mean, it's just such a weird, weird film. Apparently, he was inspired by Tennessee Williams plays.
0: Oh, yeah, like The Glass Menagerie. Which Which I can see because those do take place in one room, literally. Which, which, no, does make sense because originally he wrote it as a stage play, apparently. And And, that does make sense in a way. I mean, maybe as a one-act play because as a a 100-minute film – first of all, the film's plot doesn't really have much to go off of with a 100-minute film because it does feel like it takes forever to have anything actually happen to the characters. But it also, at the same time, the film has no sense of timeline. Like, it really has no idea, like, how much time has passed between one scene to the next.
2: Well, as I was going to say, if you're going to base your film off anything, don't base it off Tennessee Williams. Why not, though? I found The Glass Menagerie to be absolutely boring when we read that. Well, maybe
0: boring, but... um,
2: then <laughs> I got, I'm, not, then I got, I'm not a Tennessee Williams expert. I just know The Glass Menagerie. I remember we had to read it in the 10th grade uh, for our English class. I was like,
0: this is fucking I, dull as all hell. But the, um, the inspiration does make sense. Because The Room does resemble one of those plays, maybe a one-act play that has a very limited character base. Three care. If you did the room as a play, as a one act, you know 45, 45, 45 minute play with three characters, it might it might actually work. Well, I, I think the idea could work because it's like any basic
2: melodrama of yeah. like a lo- a lovers triangle. I think the the problem just lies in how it's totally executed throughout the entire thing. Um, I guess I will say when it comes to Glass Menagerie, when we did watch the TV movie epi- thing that we did. I kind of liked it just because Sam Watterson played the lead in it, and you know, anytime Sam Watterson gets work, that's why I still got to watch Grace and uh, Grace and Frankie because he's in it. <laughs> yeah, him and Martin Sheen. You know, that's that's rhyme there for, but but I mean, I do. Well, I, I mean, no, I get the inspiration, but yeah. at the, but at the same time, like I said, I think because it's so poorly executed, it and the fact that the dialogue between characters is nothing but exposition. There's no real development. It's no. all. What do you know about Johnny? He's a successful banker, and you should marry him because he gives you financial support, and you can't live without him. And he's a good person, and he cares. Well, you don't really see that, right? Exactly. It's just, it's just explain. I mean, granted, we see some of it with like how he kind of how he helps Danny out, and how he kind of acts like granted. I think, I mean, not that I think, I know after watching this film, you're supposed to kind of get. Tommy, Tommy Wiseau's Johnny is the guy who gets fucked all the time. He's nice as hell. He bends over backwards for everybody. But nobody really appreciates it. His girlfriend of seven or five years we don't know. <laughs> How at one point it is. they say five, at the end they say seven. Who knows? Which I said earlier too, I'm like, when they said they've been together for five years I'm like, they should have just said seven because then that, the, the cheating thing would make much more sense. It'd be like the whole seven year itch philosophy of like people kind of like after seven years people get bored and kind of you know look elsewhere for a little while right until you know returning to what they like and know already but so no but like so it's like he's the guy that he's successful he helps people but he's boring because of it because he's so damn nice you know she just can't you know she wants somebody who's wild and not boring Right. Because he's so boring. But, which, okay, I can understand. It makes her Lisa a cunt. especially yeah. Especially because she doesn't tell Tommy any of it. Sure. Johnny. She's not willing to tell him. She just wants to cheat, or you know. Yeah. Even though yeah, she doesn't yeah. want to be with him, she doesn't yeah. feel the need to be like, look, I don't want to be with you anymore. I find you boring. The love that I once felt for you is not there. Which, their love, you don't even get to feel except nothing
0: really there besides the sex scene
2: yes there's nothing there so we you don't really feel that but at the same time the person she cheats with mark johnny's best friend there's nothing with him either he's a shell he's blank there's it's totally taserable there's nothing there he's just you know like a blank you know blank slate he's just johnny's friend he's like What are you doing? I'm Johnny's best friend. We can't do this. Okay, put your titties in my face. Yeah, I have a nice small. So, like, they're all empty shells except Lisa, who's just a cunt. So throughout this film, you're supposed to get at the end of the day, men can only trust men. Women are thieving lying cunts. If you try too hard, though, it is kind of a wise philosophy, like, look, don't try too hard, because when you do try too hard, eventually it will, that shtick will wear thin because how often when you see like you know um sitcoms of loving couples they're never like i love you i love you too they're always like it's always like banter between the two like of them making fun of each other why because if if eventually all you're doing is just kissing their ass the entire time especially when it's like a man kissing a woman's ass they're gonna get bored and it's gonna be like you know this is boring. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really wants, mis- you know, the totally Mister Nice guy or nice girl who's like, "I'll do this or I'll do that." Like, I'll do anything for you. Because again, eventually, that's like stale. It's like, you, you, there needs to be kind of a a little bit of. It might not be the right word, and I'm no relation expert. Because look at me. Uh, but no, like antagonism. it's not real antagonism. It's more of a playful spite. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, then it's more just like, "Well, oh, this is boring. All he does is kiss my ass. Which is Lisa's case in this, but like I said, we don't really see any, like, character development or depth between this whole melodrama, because they're all shells. And all, you know, we're just supposed to kind of take that timey WiSO so is the nicest, most successful person in the world, and
0: is just a thieving cunt, and his best friend Mark is just the guy that she decides to fuck yeah i would say that the theme of the room in itself is pretty problematic because it's basically nice guy the movie right it's like the nice guy meme that has kind of taken over the internet of this person who kind of gives his all to this one woman but in reality she's really attracted to (laughs) what you would call like a chad like a guy Uh, that's you know like a hot and, and a yeah not not it, a mennonist a, a philosophy and actually that's but, kind of unfair to mark in this film because you really at, at least at first it is not trying to be going behind Tommy or johnny's back um I he's not, that, he's not doing, he's not trying. Right, he's not trying not, not to either. So I, I guess that's, that's part of the problem, but I think really the room... I think um, more, I think more of the problem is, I don't think, like, you see him sometimes, like,
2: struggling, I'm, I feel so sick, I don't know what to do, because he's having that struggle. The problem is, again, we don't know enough about him, so, yeah. and his personality, and his background, so this... Uh, supposed struggle, his conflict he's having with inside doesn't fucking mean anything because we don't know anything about him yeah what his job is what his background is, how he's friends with tommy how they know each other what their you know friendship is truly
0: like besides just like hey how's it going hey you're a chicken You want to play some football yeah you want to toss the football toss the football around no and i think the bigger issue though is lisa as a character because lisa really if we think about johnny at least we get some characterization obviously exponential expositionally but and then mark as well expositionally and they kind of come together but with lisa she is literally all exposition saying exactly what she wants but then her actions don't really reflect what she says she wants so she says she wants to break off with johnny because she doesn't like him but then she facilitates having sex with him she- well she no but she she
2: does that though because she and has eh. him she has him drink and then has sex with him, so then she can be
0: like he beat me. He yeah, got, doesn't make he sense got, because he got drunk and beat him. Which we There's gets literally no evidence to support that. So. But it gets
2: instantly contradicted because her mother when she visits him is like, What do you mean Johnny drinks? Johnny doesn't drink.
0: Exactly. So it's
2: like so it's a totally moot point. It's like so whatever cunning scheme she had there to try to convince people that Johnny beats her, that's why she doesn't love her anymore. It goes nowhere because we don't see anything that shows Johnny's a drunken wreck and that Lisa's formed a scheme well enough to kind of frame him for that. Yeah, that's There's exa- nothing. They just She just says it and people are like, no, not Johnny. That's exactly Johnny the point. Johnny loves it you. Is
0: that Lisa, as a character, she really flip-flops constantly. She has no real... Redeeming qualities? Exactly, yeah. And there, it's not even that it's not redeeming, but it's also not believable because at least somebody who has this plan set in motion would be pretty consistent about it. I mean, if you really have this plan set in motion to not not only, like, have an affair, but also really just psychologically destroy the person that you... But, like I said, it comes out of nowhere. We don't, like, she literally, in the beginning, I love
2: Johnny. And yeah, the, yeah. Then after that, she's like, I don't love him anymore. Yeah, that's So big... it's like, okay, after you've been with him for five, seven years, whatever, of him fucking your hip, and now you're like, you know what? I've dealt with this for five years of him just thrusting into my goddamn hips, hard, and, veiny, and instead of my vagina. Yeah, my vagina is now it's done. It's dry as fuck and it can't take it yeah, anymore. Yeah, well, she's not so, gonna get it
0: from Mark either because Mark does the same thing. Yeah, but it's we see that less though. So.
2: <laughs> but no, but so, but so it's like it's like literally like that's that's the breaking point. Like we like again, I think. Cause it's such a basic idea. It is such a basic idea. But if idea. like you could literally expound upon it in several different ways to then make it interesting, unique, yeah. and tell an interesting story, you can have a basic idea and be the most interesting thing in the world. Until it has
0: to do with execution. Yeah, it's film, it's, doesn't it? It's gotta be. It's gotta be interesting in a way that it ha- is not familiar to us. So like the room as a as an idea, as a plot is simple but as it's executed it is also at its most basic there's nothing about this film that you would pick out and be like well that was uh, at least you know um involved it was creative there's nothing about it even when tommy tells the story of how he met lisa the story is we were at a bar and i saw her i said hi and then and the pa- interesting part yeah. about it is not even interesting. She paid for it because I had no money. She that. she yeah she paid for it. It's not so that that in itself sums up exactly what's wrong with the room. Even an interesting story is not interesting. It is the most basic level of storytelling like you, imaginable. Like,
2: like with the kind of story where somebody cheats and like then falls for you know there's so many
0: complex layers, oh, no, no, layers. No,
2: say it falls out of love you want to show them at first actually <laughs> in love yeah they think care and then something happens whether it be a gigantic moment or like the smallest thing that you kind of notice and like what like 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 it could be like she sees like how tommy interacts with people and like that's kind of disturbing. I don't like that. Or it could even be the smallest thing of like her just like kind of coming to the realization, like being afraid of the wedding. Like, what am I doing? Do I like re- totally having this like, you know, switch? Like, I I don't like I don't know if I'm ready to be married. I don't know if I could spend the rest of my life with him. I, and then her kind of searching out like something to make Lisa's right. character what? have like because again like cheating, though not right. At the same time, is a very complicated complicated for the most i i feel like a lot of the times it's a complicated issue i don't feel like most people who cheat are kind of like i just did because i want sex right I, I feel like a lot maybe for guys it is but i feel like for women it's well not i feel it's like been like you know shown like it's very it's much more an emotional guys kind of cheat more because it's like, well, the titties were there, and the, you know... Which we see kind of with Mark. He's like, Johnny's my best friend. She shoves her tits in her face. it's like, okay. Wow, You know, yeah. pro- more primal. With women, they're it's they're more kind of emotional,
0: like, an emotional layer. Yeah, I think one of the bigger issues, too, is that Denny, who is quite a big part of the film... The orphan boy who's not an orphan. <laughs> he generally doesn't... Or a man, or a boy. He kind of just shows up in <laughs> random spots. Like, he's... He's in the film, but he's not in the film. Like, what? What is the point of his character in the film? To steal the spotlight and to show how good of a person Johnny is, I guess. Yes,
2: because yeah, because he's
0: Johnny's a father figure. He's supposed to have taken over paying for Denny's rent and everything like and that. His
2: tuition?
0: What you, to <laughs> whatever <laughs> college he's going to? Like Jesus Christ! Johnny is a nice guy. He's I know, way too nice. I know, yeah. That... <laughs> but Denny is awesome because he. Does not really even fit like the time period. He seems transported from a time of boy meets world, or and
2: and meets nineteen fifties. You it, know, leave it to be where, like Golly gee, Willigers, you know, yeah. Ron, Ron, little Ronnie Howard, and uh,
0: and the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, well, he's a, Denny's supposed to be like eighteen years old, but he acts like he's eleven. Like he might be a mentally retarded eighteen-year-old, but yeah, because he. I would say probably autistic. Yeah, he's constantly, he's like, like... like,
2: like, literally, like, like he has Asperger's. Like, he's... They're like, I'm gonna take your dress off. Uh, John. Uh, Tommy's saying to Lisa, and Denny hops, like, oh, hi. Can I kiss you, Lisa? Yeah, it, No, no. No, no, you can't. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> that's so... You look so funny, Denny. We're gonna go upstairs. I'm gonna go upstairs and take a nap. Haha, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna join him.
0: Can I come up there, too? Then he comes up and hops on the bed and gets
2: tickled. Yeah. By the way, foreplay for Tommy and Lisa: pillow fight. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I think about licking pussy, I think I think a pillow fight beforehand. It's just great. It's like it's so like. And it's just the made even better if, that Denny's like just listening to them doing you know, they're having their little four play pillow fight. And then he runs upstairs and jumps on the bed. And he's like,
1: Ah look at me and I love it. like,
2: like Daddy, you can go now And he's like,
0: Okay. I, I love get, Denny. I get it. I think <laughs> Denny is one of the best parts of this film. And, it's, and he has really no bearing on the film itself. Like, at all.
2: Like, nothing, He's literally just there to make Tom, uh, Tommy look better. Yeah,
0: nothing that happens to Denny becomes a part of the film or the plot. Like, Denny's whole... Um, one of the most famous
2: parts of this film. Yeah,
0: Denny getting mixed up in
2: drugs. It's mentioned in this one scene, and it's never mentioned again.
0: Doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> it's the best part of the film by a mile.
2: Like, literally amazing. The whole
0: scene where Denny's getting questioned by Lisa and her mom is like whiplash because it's Tommy Wiseau cutting back and forth like so super quickly between like Lisa throwing out a question to Denny like, Why are you on drugs? And Denny answering, shifting back to his point of view. Then Lisa, then Denny, then Lisa's mom, then Denny, then then Lisa, then Denny.
2: Her, Denny and Lisa's mom, Claudette beautiful name by the way Make, just makes me think of the Roy Orbison song every time I hear the name um, God just it just makes it so beautiful like Lisa's like why are you on drugs like, it doesn't matter he's gone now everything's okay and Lisa's mom's like what the hell's going on Who? why are you on drugs what drugs are you on tell us Denny it do- he's gone it doesn't matter this is outrageous what's going... like? It's it's, it's a
0: whiplash moment. It's, it's literally so back and great. forth. Oh, it's so great. That just, is probably the best moment in this film by just, far. Again,
2: like I said, it has no bearing. It's literally just there to kind of show, oh, Johnny Johnny stuck up for Denny because he's like a father
0: to Denny. I mean, not only that... Which,
2: again, it's weird because it's like, like,
0: how old's Lisa?
2: How old's, you know, Tommy? I
0: don't know how old Tommy is in this film. He is bony and veiny and I Apparently don't know. he might have been the... He denies it, but he might have been born in the 50s. Could be. Okay, so, I would like I believe said,
2: it. Apparently, his, per- his, his personal life is pretty
0: private. So, But no, you're right. He's like a midget strongman in this film. Well, the one thing, I think probably my favorite moment of that scene is actually where they cart Chris R. Chris, Chris R. The drug dealer. <laughs> drug dealer Chris R. Uh, Where they cart Chris R off to the police holding a gun to his head. (laughs) They're like, they don't even call the police. They don't. They bring Chris R to the police. They have nothing to restrain him or anything. They're just like carting (laughs) him off that's probably my favorite because can you imagine bringing chris r to the police station with a gun to his head being like this guy just tried to (laughs) try (laughs) to uh kill our friend and the police are like we have literally no evidence i know uh literally drags him down 12 blocks down you know the san fernando valley like oh what are you doing like hi how
2: can i help you and and
0: the, the even funnier part is that uh, Denny seems to think that just he's going to jail yeah, like, for for that reason. Just the judge might be like, "This case, you have nothing <laughs> against the case. Dismisses. Man's free. <laughs> Open and shut case. He had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him in jail. He's going to jail." Apparently
2: Denny doesn't realize he'd be the star witness in that trial. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But I mean, no, it's yeah, like I said, like he's
0: poor Denny. He's got like Asperger's. He just. I know, he doesn't understand what's going on around him. He's just totally oblivious. Like, what? What? Well, and he always seems to be around, too. Just like in random s- scenarios. Especially lo- at the well, end of the he, film. Well,
2: because he loves Lisa.
0: No, I know, but especially at the end of the film, he just kind of bursts into uh, Johnny's room after he shot himself. And he's like, what happened? I heard a gunshot. What happened? He's like, "Daddy, stay the fuck out of our house. <laughs> For Christ's sakes. Well, that whole
2: ending is. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. I mean, a little bit later, because that whole ending is awkward. But. I mean, I mean, but no, but still, like, because he lives in the house, I mean, the apartment complex that uh, Tommy pays for him. But, I mean, like, he just comes over, and, like. Uh, and the be- one of the best lines in the movie is when Lisa's talking with her mother, Claudette, and Denny comes over after, like, three other people have just come over and had, <laughs> like, sex in their apartment. Claudette's like, what the hell's going on? How many people come into this? It's literally like she wasn't acting. They just like an old woman stumbled upon set. It's like, what's going on here? It's a revolving door of people that just comes
0: into this apartment.
2: Like, oh yeah, these guy this guy who's making the most awkward face ever during a blowjob. (laughs) Yeah. He's
1: literally
2: I guarantee it. You, you ever do that during a blowjob? Whoever's blowing, is you know what? I'm done. You, you've ruined it. Any you know any part of me, you know, putting my head into your dick, it's over. And have fun because it's, it's 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 hilarious. Just like you know what he that guy looks like too. Low rent Breckenmayer.
0: mayor Yeah, he does. Yeah,
2: like from like clue like a little after Clueless, just like the sweater so, and fucking hair. One hand. thing
0: that the film does never bring up either is like why those people even come into the apartment anyway to do their quote-unquote homework. For college. For college. And why, like, th- that's just a sex scene, blowjob scene that just never gets explained <sighs> at all. It's just a very, the, none... And why is Tommy
2: apparently a father figure to Denny, who's 18 and, again... So that means Tommy's got to be in his late 30s or whatever. I guess. I don't know. You're you're assuming. Doesn't make sense. So why would Tommy be friends with these other 18-year-olds? Who who knows? Come over and have sex in my house, guys. (laughs) 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 It's a lot of fun. I'll have sex with Lisa upstairs and you can have,
0: you know, hi, Mark. (laughs) Just another scenario that just never gets explained. Just completely unimportant to the plot. Just padding out that hour and 40 minute running time. Um, One of my uh, least favorite parts of this film, and when I say least favorite, I mean it's really funny, is that the music is completely distracting. (laughs) So over-the-top distracting. Uh, From the R&B hits of Not uh, not TLC and And Not Boys Boys to Men to the very, very pronounced synth work of one man on a synth with seven different tracks of oboes and violins. And violin, and, and the violin and
2: guitar are actually done. A violin and guitar. Really? Like, yes. From watching the end credits, they tribute the
0: guitar and really? violin. Yes. That is very surprising to me because it sounds like... <laughs> like generic synth. Yeah, generic synth version of a violin. But it's so distracting because it's very loud.
2: And it's the same score throughout the end. Yeah, and it's the
0: same score. It's just very... It, it's over the top. and But I mean... I think the room actually made way for parodies of sex scenes when you get like the r and b like score for a sex scene and then yeah, that's what you imagine like, yeah, exactly and then it seems like that sex scene ends, but then it continues on again. That's the room literally. Because it's one sex scene after another set to really, really bad R&B music. That has to be one of the worst, like, I wouldn't, if that was me having sex,
2: I would not, i got to sit here and dangle a rose and, you know, that's, that's, no. that's just, You don't want like, roses on your. That's like the most, like, terribly cliche, awful thing ever. If you were like, sitting there, like, about, like, you know, like, getting ready to have sex with Sarah and you're like, by the way, I got this rose. And, like, you're like doing that. She'd be like, nope, done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Dry as a desert, going to bed. Good night.
0: Yeah, I would say that the room has some of the most unsexy scenes in a film. Well, it doesn't help Tommy Wiseau is a very unattractive man. Tommy Wiseau is definitely difficult to look at. <laughs> you sure. get several
2: ass shots of him.
0: You too. do get several <laughs> ass shots. Yes, <laughs> Hence the
2: underwear sales. And the
0: TV. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about the ending because. It is a very awkward ending. We're, and so throughout the entire film, we're
2: building to Lisa's just more and more becoming loathing towards Johnny. Yeah, like
0: not caring
2: anymore about his... and her, How he would feel about it. And her loving Mark, and Mark slowly becoming more like, well, fuck it, I'll just fuck Lisa and be with her, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, again, the whole dilemma between all these characters is, not, it's not even shallow. It's non existent. Because, again, it's like, why is she attracting the mark? Because the first conversation she has is after having sex with Tommy. She's like, hi, lover boy. And they haven't even had sex or any relationships yet. And he's like, not now. I'm busy. As he's sitting in a traffic light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, you know, On his cell phone. So the whole thing is just meandering, goes nowhere. No real depth. So when you get to the end, all of a sudden, um, Mark is like, "I love her, man." And Tommy's like, "I knew you were you're an asshole and a betrayer. You're a brother betrayer." And Lisa's like, "Stop being an asshole." You know she. The you know he Tommy locks himself in the bathroom <laughs> while while she's calling him a big baby. Calls Mark up and's like, "I love you. I'm gonna come over." He's like, I want your body. Okay. And then she's going to go over to Mark's apartment to fuck, which apparently they go and fuck, and they come back after Tommy thrashes around the room (laughs) doing the worst Orson Welles and Citizen Kane impression ever of trashing a room, and then shoots himself in the head. One thing that I like about... Because he's so distraught (laughs) over the love of his life and his friend betraying him. Which he says at the end, too, all his friends have betrayed him. This man, from what we see in the film, has like a gaggle of friends. And every one of his friends, except Mark, are literally on his side. Saying, he's a great friend. He's an amazing, sensitive person. He does all these wonderful things. Lisa, you're the cunt. But at the end of the day, he's like, I can't live (laughs) without Lisa's eyebrows. And just, you
0: know. Well, the thing that I think is funny is that... The In the middle of the film, Tommy sets up this elaborate, like, tape recorder to tape the phone messages. That Not how that works! Exactly. First of all, not technologically uh, savvy or uh, how a- this actually would happen, but at the know, same especially, time...
2: Especially if you're watching this now as, like, a 15-year-old, like, what's this ancient technology I'm seeing?
0: At the same time, though, that whole tape message is completely unnecessary because... Now he's seen Mark and Lisa 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 together. At his his birthday party,
2: slow dancing and him, like, kissing the nape of her neck. Oh, He he doesn't
0: even need the tape anymore. It's so unnecessary. He's listened to Lisa
2: and her mother talk about Lisa, like I don't love him. I'm cheating on him. And he's like, oh...
0: (laughs) So he's got to record it anyway. It doesn't even make any sense. Maybe
2: anywhere. everybody in this, this film is a metaphor for autism. These are just the different <laughs> spectrums
0: of autism. Danny's got Asperger's. He's got, you know, whatever. It's pretty, I, I just, I just like that, that whole <laughs> like idea of to, Tommy having this great idea of like, I'm going to, I'm going to record their phone conversations. like, doesn't even matter. Doesn't even you know it already? You don't need to record him because it's not like you're submitting this as evidence for a divorce or something. <coughs> you are literally killing yourself and just making that whole thing moot. But yeah, the ending really brings a brings along the psychological aspect of like it's almost like for Lisa, and it's like a this movie is almost like a fantasy for Tommy Wiseau. Like, well, apparently according to the Disaster Artist book, which the movie's based off of, which was written
2: by. Um Greg
0: uh, Yeah Greg Celestros, or whatever um Sistero, yeah Um I was, I had to look at the DVD just to make
2: sure I pronounced that right cuz Ryan's very much a stickler when I mispronounce things. Uh Greg Sestero wrote the disaster. artist. kind of like with um the Troll 2 movie which was done by one of the, uh <coughs> the best works film which was done by one of the cast members. He wrote the disaster artist and um he was saying how a lot of this comes actually from Tommy's actually own life that he told him, like of him proposing to somebody with like a $1,500 engagement ring or whatever, and then constantly cheating <clears throat> on him, and then eventually he broke up with him. So apparently a lot of this comes from personal experience, which makes sense, because this is kind of very much like, again, it makes sense in this sense, because one, he wrote the film, and two, it's so very much a very narrow point of view of, again, like everybody's like Johnny's such a great guy. Yeah, he's so amazing. He has all these things going for him. Why don't you love him? You should love him. He's perfect. You're being a bitch. Now, one of Lisa and Tommy's co friends was like, Lisa kind of get with you know what you're going through. Like again, like I said earlier, cheating is often a kind of complicated issue. It's not very black. Not all. It's not as often probably as black and white is a lot, is often made out to be. Right. So. Though morally wrong, you can see somebody like, look, I get where you're coming from, but it's wrong, you know, or I don't think of think it's wrong. But And again, this film, because everyone's as shallow as a fucking puddle, they're all like, well, Lisa, you're being a bitch. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Tommy, Tommy's the most, admit- like, even her own mother, like, she's like, stop being hysterical. He has financial security. Don't you want a fucking house? He's going to buy you a fucking house. Then when you get the divorce, because he did, cause
0: he loves you so much, he didn't sign a prenup, you'll get the goddamn house. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's... Because you have no job, apparently. It's, it's, it's from Tommy's perspective, really. It all seems like a, a fantasy of his. So when you get to the end of it, He's it's almost murderer. like a... Yeah, it's like a, I told you so. Like, everybody told Lisa how much she was going to mess up johnny and really ruin his life and and you know mess up her own life in in the scheme of things and so this is this is a martyr revenge movie of tommy saying look at how much you just fucked yourself by doing this because everyone's ma-
2: gonna miss me exactly and cry for me
0: but you you're gonna get nothing out nobody of cares mark yeah.
2: at the end's like well fuck you you killed yeah. him this is all your fault even though I could not put my penis in you. I decided I was going to put my penis in you. And then he's crying because, like, I'll have sex with the corpse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone oh, with him. Both of you, leave. Before the cops show, I got to defile his. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does seem like it's a, a sort of a fantasy for Tommy. Like, living out his own, like,. W- what sucks about his relationship, but then kind of getting a one up on it. Like, look, I made this movie about it, and I d- I was really successful <laughs> about it. It was like, well, yeah, I mean, successful. Mm, that could be debated, but fun <laughs> I, I, for I, sure. I would say successful. I guess, yeah, in a cult cult sense, probably. And, and from what we've seen from interviews and he things that gotta, he said about it,
2: he's got to be a millionaire after all this.
0: Yeah, he's probably. Probably yeah. rich and famous after all the dvd sales and the the screenings now that it has as a cult thing he's got to be rich as fuck but for him it really does seem like he took this film quite seriously
2: it's the sa- i think it's the same thing as the troll 2's director that exactly he-
0: and they kind of they kind of refuse to see the
2: which i think, t- the I, humor think in it. I think he has a little bit more that's why originally what was a melodramatic dr- drama which it is very melodramatic uh, the DVD is in the artwork and the front page is a black comedy I think he's more like oh, yeah see I meant it to be funny right? Yeah. Um, though obviously that's not the original intention I think he's kind of more leaning towards that but I think still he probably thinks like I made a good film yeah like, yeah, I, I think I made a competent, well-made film. I There's... don't get what you're... Because, again, when we watch, when you watch the best-worst film, at the end of the film, they asked, I can't remember the director of Patrol too. Like, he's like, don't... They're like, don't you understand all the humor behind it and why it's considered to be such a bad film? He's like, no, it's a fucking great film. I put my heart and soul into that, and it's amazing. I think you're
0: all stupid. In the interview that we watched with Tommy Wiseau on the DVD, uh, he's asked a bunch of, like, kind of nonsensical questions, like... um what what was the one that he when he was asked that was kind of funny, like... About the football. Yeah, about the football. Like, why do you guys play football and only three feet away and, from each and, other? And, yeah, And, and he and kind and of t- takes it very seriously. Like, well, people like to have fun with the football. And they like to, you know, they just like you to toss al- it about. Yeah, you can't always have, you know, the full gear in the stadium. So you just... <laughs> yeah, about- he takes it seriously. And that's either a heavily trollish answer of just, like, really playing up the part a la, like, Borat. Or... <laughs> It you know, it's it's definitely just taking it seriously and not really seeing the humor in it. And perhaps he's kinda of grown from that, especially since the disaster artist came out, but you know, it really does seem in all intents and purposes, the room is very much a serious thing for him of creating this film as a sort of like a revenge thing, like look at how far I've come. Well, all you have to do is look at the D V D artwork. Yeah. That box cover, there's nothing that
2: hints like, is this going to be a comedy? It's a very bleak headshot of him, like, looking like he just got punched in the fucking face. Look at it. Yeah. Looks like fucking Muhammad Ali cold cocked (laughs) in the 12th round. And he's like, I'm down for the count.
0: Yeah. I just, I think it, it definitely was something serious that he created. And it kind of morphed into, you know, the comedy territory that it is now. Um,. So in a way, I feel bad. I mean, yes, he might be a millionaire from it, but does he really feel satisfaction from I hope, knowing I it? I hope
2: he did end up making, like, he's made his money.
0: Um, he probably wasn't that uh, poor off to begin with if he made this film for $6 million. I think he probably conned people into getting that money. You think so? Like a, He had to have. I Yeah, I don't know the where he got... The
2: film was only shown in L.A. And very. It's literally Wiseau Films. So and it made $1,900. Wiseau
0: I- hyphen films.
2: I gotta expect the DVD sales alone, recoup that. Hopefully. Had to. Like I said, it's such a cult film. I can't imagine everyone just like fucking watched it online. Cause again, if people really thought it was such a hilarious, awful, terrible film that's so good it's they're gonna again, those people buy that stuff. Yeah. It's not gonna be like, Oh yeah, it's fun, I really think it's
0: one of the best worst films ever. And they just don't buy it. They're gonna buy it. I am really curious to see The Disaster Artist now, to see sort of the biographical nature of this film. Not just for the funniness of it, but just the, how did it, you know, like, what happened? How did it get made? What was the impetus behind all of this like so at least at least troll 2's backing
2: makes more sense it's just an italian film with and they just hired people and
0: in the italian actually again was sort of a translation issue of and like again, may- some of this stuff doesn't make sense in, in in english and he just was like no go with it you yeah, know well, th- as like i said that's the same thing i
2: kind of expect with like the writing of this film cause, like because it said so like it on like on certain points on the nose with how it like describes things i think again i think it's a Translation type of thing, but I'd be curious to see what Juliet
0: Danielle thinks of this film now. Maybe she'll tweet us. Like we got a tweet and troll too. Yeah, just to just to kind of see because sometimes it's interesting. Like not all of these actors are bad either. I don't think Claudette is really not a bad actress at all.
2: I think well, I like I, said, I think that I
0: I don't think to
2: be honest with you, I don't think I don't think she's bad though. She doesn't. I can't remember. Uh the actress. I don't think she's bad. I don't think she's given anything to do. Same thing with Juliet Daniel. I don't think she's given anything else. Like she again, I I think it's more a direction thing. Yeah. And same thing with uh Greg Stetson. I think more like he looks like he could be a very competent actor, actually, from like just kind of looking at him in his presence. Yeah. I think it's more a direction thing. He was told to do it in a certain way. <laughs> like again, from the one of the most famous trailers for the disaster artist is the whole Tommy Wiseau coming out like 85 times. That I did not hit her, I did not. It's bullshit. I did not. Oh hi Mark. You know, like and they had to do it like 85 times. Like what is lying? And like oh my god. I think people. I think there were probably some people working on this film who are competent filmmakers. They were just dealing with somebody who's a bad man who didn't know. You know, really get it and understand it. Cause from reading the Wikipedia page, there's certain things Greg Stetson says, like with narrative things, he's like, "It. Why are we doing this? This makes no sense. Why would he laugh at this part? That makes no sense." And Tommy Wise was like, "No, this, is all this has got to be done. Right? Something like this. Yeah. I want him to laugh at this thing. He's like, well, that makes no sense. Don't do it.' So I, I don't think. So I don't think, like a lot. Of the, I mean, it's bad. It is again. It is bad acting. But I think it's more of a direction issue than it is." possibly the actors because even if these people are just like local San Francisco like theater actors, I'm sure they're not that bad right they can't be that bad <laughs> they I'm serious they can't be if you make like if you're like a making a living like being like a theater actor like within a city, you literally can't be that bad.
0: I could definitely see like Greg Sistero being in, like a soap opera or something like that. He has that look. Yes, of, like, the, he does have that. Like, the O's soap and opera look, like a Days of Our Lives. Yeah, exactly.
2: No, I agree. But, again, I, I think some of the actors in that, too, in, like, soap operas, it's kind of, again, it's kind of more of a... It's like a
0: day job, like, and it's very well-paying because, you know, you've got, like, a hundred episodes. And you're filming
2: every fucking
0: Monday yeah, through Friday. exactly. So um, it's, it's actually a good gig. And and so, yeah, you, I, you're right. I think probably a lot of it was a directorial thing of, like, I mean, no, I it don't has know, to be done this way.
2: I don't, I don't know how much work most of these guys got after that. But I'm just saying, I, I don't think this would have helped them at all. But at the same time, like I said, I can kind of see... It'd be interesting just to see like, them in other things. And just kind of... Yeah. What they do. Because maybe maybe they are bad actors. Maybe I'm giving them too much of a benefit of the doubt. But I almost think... It, it, they're very much hamstrung, probably, by the direction and the writing sure. of the script. Yeah, no, I
0: agree. I agree.
2: Of having, like... So you mean to tell me I have to – I mean, obviously the the extras in this, like the flower shop, like, oh, hi, Johnny, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> I think those literally were just yeah. people that yeah. Yeah. were no, working. Yeah, but I th- I, honest, I honestly think, you know, uh, at least Greg Stetson and uh, Juliette Danielle probably could have been better, <clears throat> you know, if used in other films. Maybe sure. Not, I mean, obviously not top-notch actors and actresses, but I mean –
0: Something more notable, at least. Well, clearly, Greg Sestero is a better writer. Sestero, there we go. Because he wrote Disaster Artist, so he knows, you know, the process of writing. And Who plays Denny? Because he's great. I do think.
2: I think he's. Great. I do think. Yeah, I do think he's pretty good. Actually, okay. I, I think, and I think his problem is more just has to deal with the most awkward of dialogue. Philip
0: Haldeman ever. plays Denny. I I still think he's fine. I think he's great too. I mean, I mean I, I know
2: it's cheesy and what and you know, but still. Wow, well, her, her Juliette Dan- as I was looking at IMDb. Her picture looks like she was trying out,
0: uh, for The Fifth Element, the newest thing that they she's done. The Red Bull commercial is no no, uh, probably Ghost Shark Two, Urban Jaws, which is actually a film. Um, after that a lot of the things that she's done are have been uh, room related. Like, have you checked on Denny, the short, <laughs> the room actors? Where are they now? Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible that they're not great actors, but I don't think the room helped for them for their career.
2: Um, I know Tommy Wiseau was recently in Samurai Cop 2. Oh, really? Good for him. Good for him. Um, I think he co-produced it. Mm-hmm. If you, if you don't know Samurai Cop's like a 1990 like Z level movie, yeah. This, um, I only know that because I got some OSW review and they reviewed Samurai Cop and Samurai Cop Two, and they both look absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, well, but- I I can't see uh, Like who? Like what? Casting agent would be calling you after seeing you probably
0: in this. He'd be like, no thank you, you're poison. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, anything else that you want to add about The Room before we go into a rating? That green screen for oh. every, every rooftop shot. That's amazing. It's the
2: worst green screen effect ever. It literally is not seamless at all. It, like You literally can tell. Like, He's oh, a backdrop. Yeah, no, it it doesn't doesn't blend in at all. It is great. Um I really I really enjoy that. That's one of the highlights of it. <laughs> it's just how terrible it is. Um I do love at the end Tommy's trashing of his bedroom and downstairs. It's I, I, you haven't seen Citizen Kane, have you? No. It, it's literally like Orson Welles trashing part of Xanadu. Is Citizen Kane. But it's just like, it's so much more reserved, too. Because he's like making, like he smashes something, but he's gent- like, gently pushes over the lamp like somebody told him, that lamp's actually real. You can't break that lamp. Make sure you don't break that lamp. We don't, you know, we don't have the money in the budget to reshoot this or anything,
0: so, you know. But. Yeah. Uh, do you have a rating scale for uh, the room? Out of.
2: 10 I'm debating either between Roses in Bed Okay Or Denny Drug Deals
0: <laughs> Let's do Denny Drug Deals Okay 10 Denny, Cause I just don't see it I just don't see Denny Dealing drugs but 10 Denny Ten, Drug it's Deals getting,
2: It's the greatest scene In the film Cause it like Literally it's like it's there and then
0: it's gone. It's never to be brought up or mentioned again. Nope. Yeah. So, to, out of ten Denny drug deals, what would what do you give the room? Uh, if I
2: and if I'm just basing it off of enjoyment, a nine and a half.
0: Wow, that is pretty high. Yeah. If I, I'm judging it
2: based on as a film as a whole and its competency, including enjoyment. I'd give it probably a four. But if I'm just basing it solely off the enjoyment factor, I'd say a nine and a half. I think this is a much more enjoyable film than Troll 2 as a terrible film. I have more fun... As much as I do, I do enjoy Troll 2 for its... And if you listen to the podcast when we did that episode, um, I do enjoy it for what it is. It's a bad film. However, I think The Room's much better. I think it's just... There's so much more quotable things. Like when I think of Troll Two, there's only like two things that kind of stick out for me when it comes to like quotable lines. It's they're eating her, and now they're going to eat me. Oh my god! And I won't let you piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Here, there's a bunch of things like I I can just think of off the top of my head. Like oh, how's your sex life? Oh hi Mark. Well hi Denny. Why are you dealing drugs, Denny? Tom, why aren't you having, you know, I don't love Tommy, I mean, J- uh, Johnny anymore, I just don't love him. Like, it's, like, to me, this film's a lot more quotable, and it's a lot more relatable, because it's, it's, again, it's such a simple plot, it's a love triangle, but it's not done well at all, with no depth, so it's just totally flim-flammed about in how it handles everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had to, if I, like you said, judging it off of Enjoyment, 9.5. It's probably my favorite, worst, best film ever. Um, but if I had to base it off of as a film as a whole, I'd give it a 4. Mainly because the Enjoyment factors kind of boost, would be bolstering that up from like a 2. Because hmm. this is a very incompetently made film. For a $6 million budget, the score is atrocious, repetitive, And annoying and distracting. The acting throughout is terrible. The writing for this script is nothing but exposition. Every scene is nothing but just expositing. You're not shown anything. It's just told to you. The characters have no depth. The acting without this film is atrocious. And has no meaning. Everybody's either wooden or over the top. It's a bad film. But... You get the comedy gain from it that's unintentional, and your mileage will vary from that. I think a lot of people, especially if you watch this in a group, you will enjoy this film for how hokey, campy, and off the, off the rails it is.
0: Yeah, I would say I would probably give it an 8.5 on a best-worst scale. Um, I think it's pretty fun. I, I think I actually enjoy Troll 2 a little bit more. And um, you've seen more best
2: worst films than I have. Yeah,
0: I don't go out of my way to look for films that are intentionally shitty. I like to be,
2: in, like engaged at least. Like, yeah,
0: I would just say that I think like uh, the room, even though it is funny in in parts, I think like uh, some of it's kind of stagnant. Like it just really, like some of it can be really funny, and then some of it can be just really like low key and and just doing whatever it's doing without you know comedy even unintentionally um but i I still think it's really funny and uh a lot of it is just more so the ineptness of like making this film um that really comes off or even the the trying so hard like you know directors 101 like you know let's have a shot of tommy wiseau literally cracking up while he throws a rock at a mirror you know that's like that's like filmmaker 101 of like what can what would be like thematically and symbolically like envisioning uh, envisioning like somebody you know cracking up? Um, no, let's have a mirror break. Well, you just need film brain from uh, <clears> that guy with symbolism. Like yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, but I I think like probably on a non bad film scale, it's more like a three for me. Um, I mean, this it's just really a, a really poorly made film that's tries really hard you can tell that a lot of this stuff is done not tongue-in-cheek but and just very genuine very serious and it's just, it's hard to take like i know if you were like sitting in a theater with tommy wiseau during opening and like really trying yeah. to take this seriously it would be very very difficult so it'd be the cast and production crew in that's sense. yeah basically and it, i mean just as a, trying not to offend or something like that, that that would be very difficult to just take it seriously as is. Um, it's definitely not the worst film I've seen. Um, no, I I would agree with that. Yeah, because I think as we reviewed before, I think Baco's
2: worst made film than this. Um, but again, like, like I said, for me giving it a four, I think is again it's totally the enjoyment of the film. That's boosting that up to a four because it doesn't deserve it. Because there's other films on here that I've given a four that I absolutely hated, yeah, but they were competently enough made to kind of get by, yeah. So, I mean, again, this is like worse than even like say, like a Friday the 13th remake or Mm -hmm. you know, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, it's not as well made, but those films are bastardizations and not really enjoyment enjoyable this is at least though inept and terrible enjoyable because of
0: its inept
2: yeah yeah that's why rating films is such a
0: odd art it is it's not a it's not an exact science and that's why we give each one at the end of the episode and kind of quantify it because it doesn't always mean the same thing if we give a four and a four um, Alright, so that means next week we're not doing the Disaster Artist or ne- next time we're not doing the Disaster Artist. Remember, we're bi-weekly. Um, the, so we're back in two weeks and I believe at that point in two weeks we're going to be doing Black Panther. Um, Gotta keep that Marvel train going. That's right. Um, I know that my wife is very excited for Black Panther. I don't understand why. She's interested in the thematics of it. Like the the uh black power movement things like that that black panther brings with it and i don't think the film's doing that though i think it's more isn't it, like more like environment it, it is in some way doing a black power movement especially as with its trailers and how it's been portrayed i um, mean i haven't seen the trailer so, yeah but from uh, the one that i kind of no i, I lied I did see
2: one for Last Jedi when I saw that last yeah. week, and it was more kind of like it seemed more environmental.
0: I think um, no, I definitely think it's going a, a you know a power route because you even have a antagonist that's more so struggling f- to rise to power,
2: so to speak. For well, if it's about the black, if it's more focus on black power, I can tell you right now that film ain't gonna do well at all.
0: Well, it already has an early one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I guess we'll see. Just because critics like it don't yeah, mean that's the f- that's true. All you uh, have
2: to do is, again, look at The Last Jedi. Critics say it's a, it's
0: a pretty but, good film. But and, I am definitely excited for it. Um, and I actually have the first volume of the comic trailer. I'm more it. just
2: looking forward to, like, like, let's get to Infinity War. Yeah, that too. Because uh, they did also have a trailer when I saw Last Jedi, the trailer for Infinity War. And so we're like just thank you. Let's get the Thanos. Let's get the Thor meeting the Guardians
0: of the Galaxy and all this other crap. And let's start then- the beginning of the end for this uh, iteration of the Marvel films before they move into the next one.
2: Yeah, and they're like laughing all the way to the bank against uh, DC. We're like, should we reboot? I don't know. Should we? You know, what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> we do,
0: it's still going to be better than what DC does. So. Maybe- uh, they could do no. They literally could do the Rocko's
2: Modern Life technique of having a jar of mayonnaise for two hours, and
0: it would be like better than Batman v Superman. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So I think our next episode is Black Panther. Um, we'll be back in in uh, two weeks for that. Um, and also, if you're really craving a Valentine's Day episode, we did do both My Bloody Valentine films. Uh, My Bloody Valentine. And the 3D My, remake, My Bloody Valentine 3D. There's a moose, moose, hoose. Those were fun episodes. Go back and re-listen to those. Um, they're one of some of our early episodes, so definitely check that out.
2: I can't believe It's been three years since we did My I know. Bloody Valentine. It's
0: been a long time. It's been it, a while. <laughs> and uh, we will be back next time. But if you want more of us, make sure you check us out on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Podbean, which is where our podcast is hosted, or Spotify. We're actually on Spotify now, so that's kind of an ooh moment. That's kind of nice. Uh. It's difficult to get on Spotify, so um <laughs> thank the Lord. Podbean has put us on there. Um so catch us on any of those, subscribe, leave us a nice rating and review. You know the drill. Uh we're on by Facebook.
2: I'll like, say by the end of next year, I, I I want us to win a win us a Stitcher
0: award. Sure. Sure. For- Best horror podcast or something. <laughs> uh, you can catch us on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook.com. <laughs> you so sp- got no response to that. Yeah, you're like, probably, you're like yeah, um, I'm thinking not, but we'll, we'll try it. Uh, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Blood and Black Rum podcast. We are on there. Join us on there. We also have a group. So if you like group discussions, make sure you check us out on Facebook groups. We are on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. We do have a Patreon page, patreoncom Burned by Crumb Podcast. You can donate to us. It's a monthly donation, so anything that you donate will come out every month. Um, we also have a Podbean Patreon page, um, so check us out on there. We did have one $1 pledge so far, so thank you for that. Um, just grab the, the name of the person supporting us, The Squint One. So thank you, The Squint One, for being our first patron on Podbean. Appreciate that and uh hopefully we'll see more of you because uh if you do pledge at least a dollar you'll get access to our new episodes at least a day early and sometimes even more because we we do post uh earlier than that uh so just keep that in mind um also we finally have a uh email address it's blood of black run podcast at gmail.com you can write to us let us know what films you want us to cover on the show let us know what you think about the show and we will try to make changes uh if you have any positive criticism uh and if you just have negative criticism then we'll ignore you and block you but (laughs) uh other than that thank you for listening we'll be back in two weeks with our black panther coverage unless another
2: blizzard comes.
0: unless another (laughs) blizzard comes and we hope you'll be back with us so thanks for listening take